Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la محمد رسول الله اشهد ان محمد رسول الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون يا أيها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحدة وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والأرحام إن الله كان عليكم رقيبا أما بعد Dear Muslims 
the Prophet would begin many of his khutbas with what I have just recited. And in that khutbah, in this introduction, there is a verse that he would usually recite. It is the first verse of Surah An-Nisa. And it translates as follows, that, O mankind, O you who believe, be conscious of Allah who created all of you from one. And from that one, He created its mate. And from the two of them, He spread forth multitudes of men and women. Of the greatest of Allah's blessings upon us, and of the miracles that He mentions in the Quran of creation, is that He has created us in pairs, in men and in women. And Allah Azza wa Jal gives a qasam in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقَ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنثَى the fact that he has created men and the fact that he has created women. And Allah tells us in another, another series of verses in which we are commanded to ponder over the creation. He created the two pairs of mankind, the male and the female. In fact, this division of our genders into male and female is such a miracle that Allah Azza wa reminds us that the one who can create human beings in two genders is so powerful that he can create and recreate from the dead. Allah Azza wa Jal says in the Quran, فَجَعَلَ مِنْهُ الزَّوْجَيْنِ الذَّكَرَ وَالْأُنْثَى أَلَيْسَ ذَلِكَ بِقَادِرٍ عَلَىٰ أَنْ يُحْيَى الْمَوْتَى So he made from all of us, male and female, isn't the one who can do that also capable of resurrecting the dead? The fact that we are in two genders is made into such a magnificent miracle and is a demonstration and a realization of Allah's qudra that we are asked to reflect and ponder over this reality. Because if Allah had willed, we would not be in two genders. We would be in one gender. If Allah had willed, we would not have the comfort of the opposite gender and we would not have the institution of marriage. The fact that mankind is divided into two genders is so obvious that it is frankly nonsensical to even try to prove this point. It reminds me of the poetry of the famous Muslim poet Al-Mutanabbi who remarked in a very, very famous line of his, he said, Nothing will be considered correct by the mind if you even have to prove that the sun is shining during the daytime. The fact that we have to talk about the, there being two genders and that there is a reality of male and female and that these two genders are biologically real. The very fact that we have to mention this in a time and place when this is being challenged is something that is frankly nonsensical to think of 20, 30 or 40 years ago. But you see, we are Muslims and we speak the truth regardless of the consequences and we preach morality and ethics and we preach the religion of Allah Azza wa Jal in spite of what anybody might say. And so in light of all the current changes sweeping this society, in light of reorganizing the most basic fundamental building block of society, in light of challenging the notion of male versus female, we have to take a step back and remind all of us in this audience and Muslims around the world and even those who are not of our faith, we remind them of this truth that our Lord created us in male and in female. And the two are not the same. The two are not the same. It is obvious that our two genders are different. We can easily recognize these differences at every single level and in every single phase of our lives. When the mother of Maryam was giving birth to Maryam and she thought it would be a boy, she remarked and Allah Azza wa quoted her and agreed with this. 
she remarked, The male is not like the female. The male is not like the female. This simple reality, this simple fact that nobody challenged before our generation, Allah put it in the Quran so that we can actually use it to prove a reality that is undeniable. Physically, they are different. Physiologically, they are different. Emotionally, they are different. Hormonally, they are different. And intellectually, they are different. Studies and surveys, popular culture and human experience teaches us this reality. As for physically, it is obvious Allah has created the male different than the female and Allah has given organs to the one that he has not given to the other and Allah has given strengths to the one that he has not given to the other. As for emotionally and intellectually, studies and tests have shown, once again, generally speaking, there's always exceptions at the individual level, but generally speaking, plenty of studies have shown that women have better verbal skills and better memory and better social cognition, whereas men have better motor skills and, are, and also men are better with spatial skills as well. We learn from studies that women are more empathetic whereas men are more risk prone. Men can focus on a small matter and ignore the larger picture, whereas women can multitask and absorb a much larger picture. And I can go on and on. And by the way, these are not crass generalizations and stereotypes that I have taken from soap operas. Every single sentence that I have said is backed up by numerous academic studies and scientific articles and transcends any one civilization and culture. The man is not like the woman. So if it is confirmed that men and women are physically different and emotionally different and intellectually different, does this mean that the one is better than the other? That the one is more noble than the other? Now, it is true that many societies felt this way. It is true that many societies privileged the man in nobility. And they said, man is better than a woman. And this goes back to ancient history. The famous Aristotle, whom everybody admires, Aristotle wrote, as regards the sexes, the male is by nature superior and the female inferior. The male is the ruler and the female is the subject, end quote. This is Aristotle. And the Judeo-Christian cultures of the past as well, they viewed the woman as the source of all evil, the woman as being inferior. They blamed the fall of mankind on the woman. They blamed Eve for the mistake of Adam. And they considered every childbirth to be a punishment, the pangs of childbirth to be a punishment, reminding woman that she is a woman and she is being punished for being a woman. So it is true that in some societies, these differences were translated into levels of nobility but in our religion from the Quran from the Sunnah there is absolutely no distinction made in terms of nobility of one gender over another in terms of nobility in terms of status in terms of standing in the sight of Allah Azza wa Jal there is no superiority of a male over female or a female over a male in fact, Umm Salama came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Famous incident mentioned in many books of tafsir. She came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and she said, Ya Rasulullah, what is it? Why does Allah always mention men and not women? Why is it that Allah mentions men and not women? In one version, she said, don't we fast like the men fast? Don't we pray like the, women, the men pray? Haven't we done the hijrah like the men have done hijrah? Now, before I go on in this narration, 
I asked the men in the audience, if a sister of our times asked such a question, what would your response be? If a lady of our gathering of a halaqa came and asked such a question, what would be the standard response? I am pretty confident that she would be dismissed. She would be told to be quiet and not speak. Umm Salama is demanding from the Prophet some explanation. Ya Rasulullah, why is it that Allah mentions men and not women? Our books of tafsir respond and say that because of this, Allah revealed not one, multiple verses, multiple verses that we recite to this day. Understand, Umm Salama is asking, where are the women? Why aren't we mentioned? And what is the response? Allah revealed a, a number of verses of them according to one of the tafsirs. Of them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals Surah Ali Imran, verse 195. Your Lord responded and said, I shall not cause the good deeds of any of you to go to waste. Male or female, the two of you are from each other. Not one is superior, one is less. Not one is more noble, the other is lower. The two of you are from each other. Every man comes from a man and woman. Every woman comes from a man and woman. The two of you are from each other. So those who do the hijrah and those who strive and those who fought and those who were killed, all of them, male or female, I shall accept their deeds and forgive their sins. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in Surah An-Nisa, مَنْ عَمِلَ صَالِحًا مِنْ ذَكَرٍ أَوْ أُنْثَىٰ In Surah Al-Nahl, excuse me. وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ Whoever does good, regardless of whether they're male or female, while having faith, that is the one whose good will be accepted. Whoever does good, male or female, as long as you have iman, the criterion is not gender, the criterion is iman. Whoever does good, male or female, as long as you have iman, Allah will accept your deeds. And Allah revealed one of the longest verses in the Quran as a response to Umm Salama. This is Surah Al-Ahzab. Allah Azza wa Jal says, to the end of the verse. This is the longest verse in the Quran in which every single adjective is made male and female. Every single description, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that indeed Muslim men and Muslim women, believing men and believing women, devout men and devout women, truthful men and truthful women, and the list goes on for more than a dozen characteristics. Each time Allah says men and women, men and women, men and women, then Allah says, to all of them Allah has promised a massive reward and forgiveness so it is true to state that in our religion in the religion of Islam there is ultimate equality of spirituality there is equality of nobility there's equality of humanity there's equality of earning Allah's rewards there's equality to enter Jannah the potential to enter Jannah is the same regardless of gender it doesn't matter what gender you are born in you have the same opportunities the same access to Jannah that the other gender has and that is why we truly state without any exaggeration, without any mytho mytho mythology, it is the truth. Men and women are equal spiritually in the eyes of Allah. They're equal in their humanity. They're equal in their nobility. Now, does this mean that they are equal in the tasks and roles that are, they are assigned in this dunya? To answer this question, we have to actually become a little bit philosophical. The whole notion of being equal when it comes to tasks, equal when it comes to chores, equal when it comes to responsibility, it needs to be examined. There is no equality even amongst any one gender. 
There is no ultimate equality of chores and of tasks and of responsibilities. On the contrary, a whole bunch of factors are involved that will decide what you are doing. Let me give you a simple example. If two identical twins, born same time, look exactly the same, DNA is pretty much the same. If they go and se separate when it comes to education, one of them becomes a doctor, the other becomes an accountant. Would we compare the tasks of the doctor and the tasks of the accountant and say, are they equal? Do they have the same chores? Do they have the same responsibility? Do they have the same routines? Of course not. If the doctor says, hey, it's not fair. I want to do the management of the accounts of the company. If the accountant says, it's not fair. I want to be the surgeon in the operating room. We will say, you have a task that is assigned to your training. You are better qualified to be the accountant. You are better qualified to be the doctor. If two identical twins, merely by five years of study, can have different tasks and chores, then why is it difficult to understand and comprehend that those that are biologically different, those that are physically different, physiologically different, emotionally different, that Allah has given them different tasks and different responsibilities and different chores. And these tasks and responsibilities are suited to their origin, suited to their temperament, suited to their biological strengths. Allah Azzawajal has created a set of skills in each gender and then he has given tasks that are in accordance with those skills in each gender. That is not that difficult to understand. It is not a question of privilege. It's not a question of nobility. It's a question of what are you better qualified to do? That's the question. There is no competition between the roles of men and women. And to posit such a competition, to create such a competition is in essence a destruction of the natural order of things. Men and women are not enemies of one another. They're not fighting against one another. They're on the same team husbands and wives, mothers and fathers, they're on the same team and they have a different role to play. That is not that difficult to understand. Our mother Aisha radiallahu anha came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and she said, Ya Rasulallah, we see that striving in Allah's way, jihad, it is the best of all deeds. Should we as women also not do this striving? Afala nujahid? Our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I will tell you of a struggling and jihad that you don't have to fight anybody. Your jihad, jihadukunna al-hajj wal-umrah. When you go for hajj and you go for umrah, you, O oh ladies, will get the reward of the same as the men when they go for what they go for. Now, this beautiful hadith, and by the way, Allah revealed a verse in the Quran, and Allah revealed a verse in response to Aisha's question. Do not desire what Allah has preferred each one over the other. Don't desire what the other has. Men have a share. Women have a share. And the both of you ask Allah from His bounty. Allah revealed this verse in Surah An-Nisa as a response to Aisha radiallahu anha's question. She's also asking, Ya Rasulullah, I want to have the same rewards as a man. She's asking for equality, by the way, in terms of reward. Think about that. Look at the mindset difference now. The equality is I want to earn gender the same way like a man does. That's the real equality. I want to get the same ajr as the man. And the Prophet said, you got it, don't worry. But the way you're going to get it is not the way a man gets it. 
See, this is the point of our religion. You got it, don't worry, you're going to get the same reward. You'll get there, Ya Aisha. But your jihad is not going to be the jihad of men. Allah has given you a different routine, a different way. And if you do it properly, you will get the same reward as that of the men. And your jihad is going to be go for Hajj, go for Umrah. The struggle in that and the rewards in that, it will equal what the men are doing. So, brothers and sisters, men and women are complementary to each other, not in competition against one another. Allah created men and Allah created women and He gave for them tasks and routines that is better suited for their own understandings and their own backgrounds. Now, it is true that we say in Islam there is no spiritual you know, uh, inequality. It is true that in other civilizations, this concept of spiritual inequality did lead to tangible physical differences between the rights of men and the rights of women. And it is true to point out that in Muslim societies versus in European societies in medieval ages, there was a marked difference and that Muslim women, generally speaking, had far more rights and privileges than their European counterparts. I know this is strange to hear, but wallahi, I am not one to mythologize. If you know me, you know me. I don't sugarcoat the past, but this is a reality. This is a fact. How do we know this? We have multiple accounts of European ladies traveling as ambassadors' wives, traveling as the wives of merchants. They go to Ottoman lands, they go to Iraq, they go to other places in the 15th, 16th centuries when Europe and Muslim world are just beginning to have peaceful relations. They're exchanging ambassadors and whatnot. So we have ladies that lived in Muslim lands. And these ladies, European ladies, are writing what they're observing. We have their writings. There are many books about them. And if you read their writings, one common theme in all all of these writings, this is we're talking about 15th, 16th century, 500 years ago. One common theme, these European ladies are shocked at how much power and wealth and privilege Muslim ladies have. They're shocked to see that Muslim ladies can own property, can sell on their own. They don't need their husband's permission. They're shocked to see the respect that is given to them that they don't have in Europe. And as I said, this is not a, a romanticization of the past. This is a factual reality that if I had time, I would back up. But I encourage you to do your own research in this regard. So true, the situation has changed now. And frankly, many of our ladies are looking to Europe for the rights that they have. But 500 years ago, it was the other way around. Realize, dear Muslims, the whole notion of women's rights and fighting for women's rights, this is a very modern construct in our Western history. It was only in 1848, that's barely 150 plus years ago, 1848, only in 1848 that here in America, the Married Woman's Property Act was passed in New York. The first time ever that a lady could own her own property. 1848, imagine that. 1848 in America and then other states took decades to follow suit. You could not own your own property, have your own bank account, do anything independent as a lady. You were always considered to be not worthy of having your own money, having your own property. So can you imagine living in that society, what European ladies and Western ladies ha had to do? So because of this, they began fighting for their rights. And a number of movements came. And of course, these movements are now called the feminist you know, movements, the feminist waves. There are multiple waves, 19th century, early 20th century, mid 20th century. And the topic of feminism is not the main topic of the khutbah today, but it does need to be mentioned on the side. 
The fact of the matter, brothers and sisters, is that the word feminism now is almost meaningless simply because under this word come so many strands and so many multiple interpretations of what it means to be a feminist that the fact of the matter is we should simply ignore this word and concentrate on the realities. Let us not criticize or praise feminism as a whole. Let us look at individually and specifically what is being asked for and then we can critique it in light of our religion of Islam. Again, if you study feminism, you will understand that there is no agreed upon definition. And you actually sometimes have contradictory strands that are working against each other. Each one of them claiming we are the real feminists. For example, about pornography, is it good or bad? Is it empowering or, or is it something that is uh, you know, sexist in nature? You have both strands and both are claiming to be feminists. So let's ignore the word, throw the word out and let's look about realities. As Muslims, we judge everything by our sharia. We judge everything by what Allah has revealed and the sunnah of our Prophet Some of what happened under the name of feminism, we will say this is good. Women's rights, of course this is good. The women can have her own property. This is from the days of Islam, early Islam. Khadija had her own property. The Prophet was managing it. No problem. And some of what happens under the name of feminism, perhaps much of what happens, it does conflict with our ideals. So let us look at it bit by bit and point by point. And let us not reject everything. We can accept what is acceptable and we will criticize what is worthy of being criticized. And obviously in one khutbah, we can only do so much. As I conclude my first khutbah, let us remind ourselves of some basic facts. Firstly, there are two genders. This isn't imaginary. It's not a social construct. There are two biological realities, the male and the female. And every single DNA molecule in our bodies is either XX or XY. So the differences between our genders begins from the molecular level. And it is manifested outwardly in almost every single aspect of our existence. If that is the case, then secondly, the genders are real. This means the genders are also different. And it follows from this not just theologically, not just from scripture, but from common sense and from lived human experience and reality that the two genders have different tasks and roles and that each gender is better suited for a specific task. This difference does not mean that one is privileged over the other or that one is more noble over the other. Frankly, it is a problem to privilege one, privilege one gender and to consider that gender to be more noble and then say the other gender is not powered enough, it's not noble enough. That is the problem. Why? Let me give you the opposite example. Our Prophet ﷺ told us, we all know that the mother has three times the haqq of the father. We all know this. The mother has three times the haqq of the father. Can you imagine if a father came angry, irritated? Why is this the case? It's not fair. I want the father to have three times the haqq of the mother. It's, we should be equal in this regard. We will tell this father, Ya Akhi, Allah has given you a role. Allah has given you a task. You do your task and you will earn Allah's reward and live a good life. And Allah has blessed the mother and given the mother her task. She does her task and she will get a good life. You have certain perks and privileges she doesn't have and she has perks and privileges you do not have. Don't fight with one another. It's not a competition against one another. It's a competition for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not against one another for the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the point being, it is a problem to problematize the roles of the two genders. And it is a problem to privilege one 
one gender over the other. That's the basis and the root of all problems. To think that just because the task is different, the gender is better. That is not the case. Jannah lies under the feet of the mother, not the feet of the one who gives the Jumu'ah khutbah. So let our sisters be happy that Jannah lies under the feet of the mother. Let our brothers not complain about that. And let our brothers do what Allah has allowed them to do. So this is the second point, that there are gender roles as well. Number one, there are genders biologically. Number two, there are gender roles and those roles are real. Number three, there are certain aspects to each gender that are normative. Allah Azza created men to be physically stronger, to be in a certain way, women to act in a certain manner. And it is good and healthy for each gender to act in accordance with their biological reality. It is good for men to act masculine and it is good for women to act effeminate. This is the reality that Allah created us upon. And our Prophet Sallallahu said that Allah's la'na is upon the man who goes out of his way to act effeminate. And Allah's la'na is upon the woman who goes out of her way. Again, out of her way. It's, some things are natural. Some men speak in a softer voice. That's not a problem. It's Allah created you that way. But to go out of your way and to dress and to act or to pretend to be the gender that you are not, we have to be very clear, unequivocal, regardless of the criticism of the critic, we speak the truth. Allah's la'na is upon the one who, oppos who purposely purposefully and intentionally imitates the opposite gender. That is not something that is allowed in our sharia. Fourth point, that gender roles are real, genders are real. However, Gender roles, generally speaking, have not been made obligatory. This is a very important point, especially for some of our brothers who think that the way that their, their grandmothers live, that's the way my daughter has to live. No, gender roles are not obligatory by and large. Yes, there is default. Nobody's going to deny that. Yes, there are certain things each gender is better suited to do. But the sharia is made to be adaptable. And when it comes to the tasks of the man and the woman, generally speaking, these are not obligatory, they are recommended. Hence, if a particular lady and a particular man, husband and wife, they renegotiate. If in any one family, they renegotiate. Generally speaking, as long as the wajib is done and no haram is fallen into, that is permissible for them. This is a very important point. Brothers, especially brothers, understand. I am saying clearly there is something called gender roles and Allah created us fitratan like that. But gender roles are not, generally speaking, made wajib. And it is allowed, and sometimes you have to. What is a lady who doesn't have a husband going to do? She has to take on tasks and responsibilities that otherwise she might not have had to do. So there are gender roles, but generally speaking, most of what comes under them are negotiable. Also, they can change from time to place. We learn from the seerah that women of Mecca versus women of Medina acted very differently. And the women of Medina were more assertive, and they would speak back and speak their minds. And the women of Mecca did not do that. And the Prophet did not take sides here. Culturally, there can be a leeway. And if that is the case between Mecca and Medina of 7th century, what do you think between 7th century Arabia and 21st century America? There is leeway, even culturally. And much of what might be permissible is not wajib. So learn the sharia and differentiate culture from actual fiqh and allow leeway where possible. Lastly, lastly, for the first part of the khutbah, we say that we have to be very, very careful about entering into this competition between the genders. Because when you're going to destroy gender, 
and gender roles and you're going to open up the door for saying that gender is fluid then in reality you are destroying the bedrock of society look at the anarchy that is being caused in our times look at these various movements that have swept over the land look at how it is destroying the very unit of our family society the husband and the wife and studies and surveys have shown that children born out of wedlock and children raised in single family households do not have the same mental maturity do not have the same privileges that those that are born in stable families we have to be very very strict about this brothers and sisters muslims men and women we have to embody the prophetic ideals of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. There are fads in our society that are challenging this. If we do not stand up and be role models, if we do not conform to the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then who else is going to do this? This is our responsibility as believers in the Quran and believers in the sunnah of the Prophet to embody the values of men and women. And also I have to point out here, once you make genders imaginary, and gender roles imaginary, you have now opened up the door for people to think they can change genders and become gender fluid. This is the natural result of what's gonna happen when you say there's no such thing as gender roles. So if you're gonna open this door, take it all the way to the end, and we are seeing what is here. Brothers and sisters, stick with the fitrah that Allah created us upon. Be a man or be a woman, however Allah created you, and life will be easier and more blessed in this world and in the akhirah, may Allah bless me and you with and through the Quran. And may He make us of those who his verses they understand and applies halal and haram throughout our life span. May Allah ask Allah's forgiveness you as well. Ask Him for His the Ghafoor and the Rahman. Alhamdulillah, Il Wahid Al Ahad, Al Samad, Al Ladi Lam Yirid Walam Yulad, Walam Yakullahu Kufu and Ahad, Wabadu. Before I finish this khutbah, I must point out a bitter reality and that is that one of the primary causes for the popularity of these notions of gender equality is the very real harms and the very tangible disadvantages that have been placed on our women. When society treats women as second-class citizens against the teachings of Islam, when women are marginalized, when women's voices are made irrelevant, when our sisters are mistreated physically and maybe even sexually, when their rights, especially during a divorce, are not given to them, then do we really blame them? Do we really not understand that many of them are going to opt for values and ideologies that might not be in conformity with our faith? If we, if we do not give the rights of Allah to our sisters, then don't be surprised when they demand more than what their rights are because we have done the dhulm to them. So men, I speak to you firstly and I speak to you frankly. Give the rights of Allah to your women. Be generous with them. Treat them with the dignity they deserve. Follow the prophetic methodology of how he وسلم, treated his wives and daughters. And you shall see the fruits of that treatment. Be a gentleman. Be a prophetic model with your wives and your daughters. And that will automatically inculcate in them the reality of what a man is and what a woman is. But, dear men, if you constantly belittle your wives and daughters, if you ignore them, if you put them down, if you abuse them in any way, then do we really not understand that they're going to reject not just you, not just your culture, maybe even your faith and your values? And they're going to adopt slogans and they're going to jump onto bandwagons that they think they're going to get their rights from? Change, dear brothers, must begin from our side, not theirs. I'm being brutally honest here. 
But I have to say this to the sisters as well now. I am well aware, sisters, that our society and our cultures, they do have an unhealthy dosage of male patriarchy. I'm not in any way belittling or trivializing the un-Islamic misogyny that so many of you have encountered throughout your lives from so many people, sometimes people who embody the religion and sometimes even your family members. But I warn you, dear sisters, I warn you that change must come from within. Change must come by embracing our values, not by rejecting our faith. Our values, our ideals, they come from Allah's revelation upon us and they come from the sunnah of the Messenger Change will never be successful without following the Quranic methodology. You have to have change using our system, believing in our system, and then we will embrace that change. If you show us that we were wrong from the Quran and sunnah, if you use our own understanding and separate the culture from the faith, we will listen. But if you're going to bring in foreign ideas, ideas and slogans that have nothing to do with our faith and tradition, then don't be surprised when those types of slogans are not going to be effective from within. I also remind you, sisters, of what our mother Aisha asked and the response that came down. Allah Azza wa Jal clearly says, لِلْرِجَالِ نَصِيبٍ وَلِلْنِسَاءِ نَصِيبٍ وَاسْأَلُوا اللَّهَ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَلَا تَتَمَنَّوْا مَا فَضَّ اللَّهِ بَعْضَكُمْ عَلَىٰ بَعْضٍ Don't wish to be like the other. Men have privilege in certain things, I agree. Women have privilege in other things. Don't think that just because men are privileged in some aspects, it makes them better. No. Don't desire to be like the other. Be thankful. Allah knew who you were and Allah created you the way you should be created. And Allah gave you the gender that was best suited for you. So thank Allah for how you are and then ask Allah from His blessings. You are not competing against men, sisters. You and I, men and women, all of us were competing against ourselves, not against each other, to see who is the the better person, to see who has the more iman, the more taqwa. Dear brothers, dear sisters, our ultimate value and our ultimate worth is not going to be decided by the color of our skin or the gender that Allah Azza wa Jal chose. Allah chose for us these genders, by the way. That's not going to decide our value. Our nobility is decided by our piety. And piety, dear brothers and sisters, has no gender. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all of us in this world and the next. Allahumma nida'in fa'aminu. Allahumma la ta'na fi hal yumi dhamman illa ghafarta, wala hamman illa farrajta, wala daynan illa qadayta, wala maridan illa shafayta, wala asiran illa yassarta. Allahumma fillana wali ikhwanin nalin sabakuna bil iman, wala taj'a fi qurbina ghillan lillathina amanu, rabbana innaka raufur rahim. Allahumma a'izal islam wal muslimin, Allahumma a'izal islam wal muslimin, Allahumma man aradana, aw aradal islam wal muslimin nabi su'in fajr بنفسه وجعل تدميره في تدبيره يا قوي يا عزيز عباد الله إن الله تعالى أمركم بأمر بدأ به بنفسه وثنى بملائكة قدسه وثلث بكم أيها المؤمنون من جنه وإنسه فقال عز من قائل عليما إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل وسلم وبارك وأنعم على عبدك رسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين عباد الله إن الله تعالى يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله العظيم يذكركم واشكروه يزد لكم ولذكر الله تعالى أكبر وأقيم الصلاة
الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله لا إله إلا الله استو اعتدلوا الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين ألم نشرح لك صدرك ووضعنا عنك وزرك الذي أنقض ظهرك ورفعنا لك ذكرك فإن مع العسر يسرا إن مع العسر يسرا فإذا فرغت فانصب وإلى ربك فانغب الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر
السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله One very important announcement. Tomorrow, inshallah, we have our fundraiser for the Waqf. Please come at 6 o'clock. This is a very, very game-changing project, as you're all aware. Uh, we're get, we already have the land. We just have to finalize the amount for, the, for it, inshallah. We hope to generate over a million dollars in endowment funds. So this is something that is a long-term investment. So every dollar you give tomorrow will, inshallah, be for a lifetime because it's a waqf, it's an endowment. So please, tomorrow, 6 o'clock, between Maghrib and Isha, there'll be dinner here as well. So please come with your families. And inshallah, we'll have an amazing night. We're going to reach our goal and go more than that goal, inshallah. And we're going to show the world world that our epic name isn't just East Plano Islamic Center, it is epic because we are all epic inshallah ta'ala. So see you all tomorrow inshallah.